My goodness, my goodness. Merry Christmas. So what do you want for Christmas this year? I mean, it, it really is a question worth asking. I know Christmas is a time of uh, wonder, hope, tradition, uh, a lot of nostalgia. But Christmas also is filled with a lot of demands, a lot of expectations. You know, there's a symbol in the trees, stringing lights, hanging ornaments, uh, checking your lists, buying presents, wrapping the presents, baking cookies, cooking dinner. You exhausted yet? (laughs) A lot of hustle and bustle, right? What do you want for Christmas? You know, sometimes I, I wonder if what we pursue at Christmas and what we say we want have anything in common at all. You know, we, we say things like we would like to have peace, yet we overschedule. We run at a hectic pace this time of the year. We, we say we want joy, and yet many times, if we're honest, the, the Christmas activities kind of drag us down. We, we say we want this or that, but I wonder, do we even know what we really want? I mean, what do you want for Christmas? Do you know what the people around you want for Christmas? Do you? Here's something to consider. You know, when it it comes to Christmas, I I think perhaps, just maybe, our hearts need a massive kind of recalibration. Because a lot of times our hearts, along with Christmas, I think have been hijacked by society. What do you want for Christmas? Where is your heart? this Christmas. And I know some of you are, uh, in your mind, you, you th- you're kind of wishing you still had the heart of a child. You're, you're thinking, you know, Christmas would be a lot more pure if I was a child again. It'd be simple. Uh, it'd be full of wonder. To which I go, really? I mean, I love kids, But many times, children, especially this time of the year, are some of the most selfish creatures I know. (laughs) Now, I'm sure none of your kids, none of your grandkids are like that, but it's the other kids, right? I mean, ask just about any kid what they want for Christmas, and you got to prepare yourself because the list comes, doesn't it? And it's usually a rather long list. Sometimes it's a ridiculous one. Now, Cindy and I, uh, we get the list from our grandkids, and and sometimes we look at it and go, really? You know, and then we'll go, what's that? And then we have to get on the internet and Google it to figure out what it is that they're asking for, and then we usually have to ask a lot of questions to kind of clarify, like what type, you know, what color, uh, what brand, what's the compatibility, that kind of thing. And my point with all of this Kids usually know what they want for Christmas. But I wonder what you want. I know many of you, when you were kids, you, not now, but certainly when you were a kid, 
there were all these dreams, all these hopes for what you wanted for Christmas. And in fact, can you recall some of the Christmas gifts you wanted as a kid? You know, I kind of did some reminiscing this week to see how many things I could remember. I I remember wanting a G.I. Joe. They were brand new on the scene. I wanted one really bad. I remember an incredible edible set. had Had to have it. Light Bright came out. I wanted a Light Bright. Stretch Armstrong. Any of you want a Stretch Armstrong when you were a kid? Yeah. So I, I remember wanting a, a Hot Wheel track, but I wanted a green open fire car, especially. Now, I, the other day I saw on the internet, it's worth about $4,000. I wish I still had that car, you know. ABA basketball, red, white, and blue one. Really wanted one. What was it that you wanted as a kid? In fact, just just say it. Say something. Pony. <laughs> yeah, they, the fact is you probably could name several things. Some of them are very fond memories. Some of them, my guess is, proved to be very disappointing when you got it. What do you want for Christmas? You know, most Americans... Uh, they, last year, looked back, and they said they spent way too much money at Christmas on presents. I will predict, even though everything's kind of crazy this year, that we will do it again this year. The, the fact is, it's estimated that U.S. consumers will spend over $1 trillion, $1 trillion with a T, on gifts this year. That, that's $250 billion more than the U.S. spent on their 2020 defense budget. Think about that. And then there's this this myth out there, I think, when it comes to presents, that the more you spend, the more you love someone. You know, the bigger the gift, the more important they are, the better you look. Our Christmas consumerism, I think, borders on a little neurotic to be honest. And I'm not sure if you agree with my assessment here, but considering the the stress of the whole gift-buying, gift-giving thing that it creates in us, while we're spending more and more money on these Christmas gifts, we spend less and less time, less connecting with the people that we love. And the more that we spend pursuing these things, the more money we spend, we feel more disconnected from God. And we wonder why. So so I have to ask, what is it that you really want this Christmas? See, all I want for Christmas is for you to experience peace, less stress, less chaos in your life. Is for you to experience a, a greater sense of connection with the people that you love, greater connection with God. All I want is for you to experience joy, and I believe that joy is something that only Jesus Christ can provide for you. See, take away all the stuff, 
all the decorations, all the presents. What what do you got left? In fact, just watch this. This is from the Grinch. uh. felt unsteady and her heart was just sick it must be a joke or a prank or a trick who would do such a thing who would stoop down this low and then one little girl realized she might just know 3,000 feet up up the side of Mount Crumpet the Grinch rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Keep going. We're going to make it. Oh, dear. What, what happened? Where's the decorations? All the presents. Oh, man. Mom, it's my fault. What, what is? All of this. I, I trapped Santa last night because I wanted to ask him to do something special for you. But I think I made him mad. And that's why he stole everyone's Christmas. No, 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 honey, this isn't your fault. He didn't steal Christmas. He just stole stuff. Christmas isn't here. And besides, I already have the greatest gift I could ever get. You. What do you want for Christmas? See, I think what our hearts long for is very, very far from what we settle for. So, so how do you break the cycle? You know, maybe uh, we need to ask a different question, and that is, what are you going to bring this Christmas? You know, whether you realize it or not, you, you bring something to Christmas, More than cards, more than gifts. The fact is, maybe it is you bring your attitude, your busyness, your stress, your frustration, your your loneliness. You know, what is it that you're going to bring this Christmas? What are you going to bring to your friends? What are you going to bring to your family? What are you going to bring to God this Christmas? Those are questions worth asking. And what I want to do, I want to look at part of the Christmas story, uh, particularly two groups of people to kind of get at this. And I, I'm going to say this up front because our image of the first Christmas, you know, that nativity scene that you all see all the time, is not even close to accurate. You know, when Jesus came into the world that, that first Christmas in, in Bethlehem, the, the scene was not pretty. It was not orderly, and the stable, it wasn't clean, not even close. In fact, I I think that first Christmas was more like a a back alley Christmas gathering than anything. And so let's talk about the the wise men. They're They're from the Far East. Scripture says when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. These astrologers, 
they had been studying the, the stars, the constellations, their entire lives. And one day they're looking, looking up at the stars and they see something different. They see a new star. And that star inspired joy in them. It had such an impact on them that they started following it. You know, these wealthy, foreign, pagan men. They travel for months, perhaps years. We, we don't really know, but they follow the star. They follow it all the way to Jerusalem. They stopped there. I don't know if they were trying to get directions or what, but they asked King Herod uh, about this amazing event. King Herod's totally clueless. He knows nothing uh, about the star. He, he knows nothing about the birth of a new king, and he was not happy to hear the news either. In fact, we know he started at that point plotting to destroy the child because it was a threat. It was a new rival. It was a new king. But they leave Jerusalem, and the Magi end up in Bethlehem. Now, this is some time after Jesus' birth, by the way. It says, on coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then, he opened, then they opened their, their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is not the nativity we picture, is it? See, Mary and Joseph, they're not in the stable anymore. They're actually in a house at this point. The, the magi, kings in their own right, they follow the star, they find Jesus, and there is no doubt these well-educated men, they're, they're from the east, they knew there was something really special about Jesus. And so when they come into Jesus' presence, we're told that they, they bowed down, they gave honor, they worshiped him, and then they present their gifts to him, gifts that they had brought with them, gifts that they had carried for, for hundreds of miles. In other words, they didn't uh, stop at the airport gift shop and, and pick up something on their way, you know. I, I thought about, can you imagine that? If they'd uh, come from the airport with their gifts and uh, they go, we wanted to honor you. Here's some beef jerky, a Jerusalem snow globe, and this really cool bookmark, you know. Can you imagine? No, the gifts they presented weren't last-minute buys. They were thoughtful gifts. They had spent a lot of time thinking about these gifts. And so they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these gifts have incredible meaning, significance in the life of Jesus. You know, gold, gold was the currency of kings. And so they brought a very expensive gift, uh, probably a heavy gift, to a newborn king. They, they brought frankincense. It was a incense that they used in the Jewish temples. The high priest would burn the frankincense. It was an offering to God on behalf of the people. And the scent of the frankincense would reach God and God's pleased with it. See, this gift, it's pointing to the fact that Jesus would be the high priest ultimately. He would become the high priest by dying on the cross for sins. And then they brought myrrh. Now, I will tell you, this is a weird gift. 
just straight out. Because perfume that was purchased, they would buy myrrh for a dead loved one. And they would use it to cover the body, to cover the stench of death. And so people would buy myrrh to honor someone, to, to show their love for the person that had died. Myrrh is not a baby shower gift. Can, can you imagine Mary when they hand the myrrh to her? Oh, myrrh. Um, thank you? I mean, it had to be quite a moment. These gifts that they give revealed the wise men's hearts. It was a way for them to honor Jesus. It was an act of worship. It represented their very, very best. And when you think about these gifts, it reminds me that we should think about the gifts we give to family, to, to friends. You know, what do those gifts say? Does it, does it speak to who they are? Does it, does it show honor? Does it celebrate them? I mean, what, what would a gift like that look like anyway? Have you ever received a, a, a gift from someone and you just felt honored? It wasn't necessarily a flashy gift, fancy, or even expensive. But it spoke volumes to your heart. See, a gift like that, I will argue, takes time, takes thought. And a gift like that requires that you know the person that you're giving it to. Sometimes uh, I think we look at gifts and we go, yeah, I want easy. I want quick, you know, 15 gift cards, easy breezy, I'm done. What are you going to give this Christmas? You see, I believe we all have an opportunity to bring something to the people we love, something that, that is thoughtful, something that, that says, I, I see you, I love you, I value you. What do you bring this Christmas? What is it? You know, instead of racing around the store, surfing the, the web, instead of buying the first thing you see, you might spend some time and think about what it really says. What is it that you give this year? Again, what are you going to bring this Christmas? What are you going to bring this Christmas? There's another group of people, and uh, they were at that first Christmas, shepherds. They're out in their field doing what shepherds do. They're, they're watching their sheep. It's still middle of the night, not much going on. And we're told that angels appear, suddenly appear. In other words, I get the sense it was probably frightening to them. It says, the angels said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior who's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. Then scripture says that a host of angels appear in the sky. They start singing about the Savior's birth. 
And I got to guess it was a spectacular moment, you know, indescribable moment. It says, when, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. They left immediately. They rush to find Jesus. I mean, can you, can you picture this? You know, the shepherds, they, they're the most blue-collar guys you could find. They're, they're a working group. They, you couldn't have found anybody more common. And they are probably about as far on the job scale as you could go from the magi. The, these shepherds were, were outcasts in society. They were considered unclean. They had no influence in society. It was a very lowly job. There's nothing exciting, especially in the middle of the night. But God, creator of heaven and earth, chooses them to announce the greatest, the most important news in human history. God chooses them. And I think, why the shepherds? Well, friends, I think it's because God knew exactly what they would bring to Christmas. I think God knew that they would respond with joy. That God knew that they wouldn't just sit around and not do anything. You know, they didn't sit there after this happened and go, did we just see what we think we saw? I mean, maybe, maybe we should wait for another sign. What are, what are people going to think? Why don't we think about this a little bit before we do anything? No, these boys hustle. They left. I, in fact, I have always wondered who took care of the sheep when they took off. I think I have the answer. Nobody. I think they didn't even think about it. They, they left their post, they, they left their responsibilities, and they race into town. They're tripping, they're sliding around corners. They can't wait to get there. It says, so they went with haste and, and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. They didn't stop at any gift store to get a gift. They don't even have enough money to pull together to get a teddy bear. No, they just head straight to the Savior. And they head there. They brought nothing with them. Hmm? Wait a minute. They brought nothing but themselves. Can you, can you imagine? I want you to think about it. Can you imagine when these guys arrive trying to catch their breath? They, they are filled with awe. They are overwhelmed with joy as they, they look upon the Savior of the world. Emmanuel, God is with us, vulnerable, available. A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in the manger. And it was a holy, holy moment. They, they told everybody, what had happened out in the field. Told everybody what they had seen and heard. 
about the angels and the singing. They, they are f- so filled with joy. They're so filled with hope. They absolutely could not keep quiet about it. They're sharing good news, great news. A Savior's been born. Friends, what kind of joy do you bring to the table? Can can you imagine just having that kind of joy in your life? That kind of hope, that kind of response to the Savior? You know, when they got back to their fields, I I always, I hope they came back and all the sheep were there, but I, I don't know. But I imagine that these shepherds were never the same again. Jesus changed their story, changed their lives, marked them. You know, I imagine that they spent the rest of their lives praising God for Jesus and sharing that story to anybody that would listen to them. And my question is, what do you bring this Christmas? What is it? What would it look like? For you to bring that kind of joy. I mean, what would it look like for you to bring that kind of joy to the office or the workplace? To to your neighbors? To your friends? To your family? I mean, what would it look like to bring that kind of joy? And to bring yourself, all of yourself, to Jesus this Christmas? What would it look like to respond to the king of the universe with joy? Anybody need joy in your life? I mean, joy joy is an amazing gift. And get this, joy breathes life. It breathes life into the people that, that experience it. It's good news. It's great news. You know, pure joy because the Savior's been born. You know, I'm going to say this as kindly as I can. Hold on to your seats. Some of you need to turn the TV off. Some of you need to take a break from social media. I mean, some of you need to lighten your Christmas agenda and just take some time over the next couple weeks. I'd encourage you, read the Christmas story. It is full of wonder. It's full of joy. It, it, it will breathe life into you. you. You can, by just reading the story and imagining, you, you can capture that joy, that hope. It's found in the miracle of Christmas. I believe that story, when you embrace it, has the the capacity to to recalibrate your heart. Anybody need your heart recalibrated this year? So I'm going to ask one more time. What will you bring to Christmas this year? Worship God thank God. You know, you've been blessed. And bring your very best to God.
And here's what I promise you. You'll find joy. You'll find hope. And you'll find a Savior that came to this world for you. But you'll find joy. Some of you need joy this Christmas. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I thank you that you sent your son to this world. God, when we realize how much you love us, what you sacrificed, God, it breathes joy into our lives. God, I know this has been a challenging year. But Lord, I also know that in you, in Jesus, we find joy and hope. God, I pray that every family here your Holy Spirit would just breathe joy into their lives. Joy in the midst of confusion or chaos or struggles. God, that they would experience joy in their hearts. That they'd find hope because you are in control. and You are a God that loves and has a plan. God, I pray that... um, this Christmas, all of us, that we'd bring joy to the office, joy to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends. God, that you would use us as vehicles of sharing the good news, great news. Give hope to those around us. God, may we be people known for our joy. We give you the glory. We give you the praise with all we say and do, especially the days ahead. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said, amen. So take joy. Take joy. Remain seated and let them minister to you.